Good morning. I'm happy to welcome you to worship at Church of the Palms Presbyterian Church on the second Sunday of Advent. I'm Pastor Phil Bliss. This morning we'll hear we'll have the lighting of our second Advent candle by Greg and Bonnie Ryan. That the introit will be sung by the children's choir that's called God's Kids and they're directed by Ann Jones. Our senior pastor, Steve, Dr. Steve McConnell, will be preaching from uh, Matthew chapter two, the first 12 verses on Bethlehem on Bee Ridge Road. The senior choir is directed by John Ferreira and they'll be singing, What Do the Stars See? Susie Welch is the violinist. On Wednesday evening, Dr. McConnell is teaching a series of classes on the, uh, here in the sanctuary on the Gospel according to Jean Valjean. This is on some of the themes, the Christmas themes of uh, Victor Hugo's famous novel, Les Miserables. Today at three o'clock in the afternoon, the Sarasota Pops concert will be held here in the sanctuary, three o'clock today. Again, thank you for joining us and may God richly bless your hour of worship. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Jacqueline Middleton, and I serve in as, as an elder in our congregation. We begin our service with the opening prayer printed on the cover of your bulletin. And now let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. How good it is to gather where garments of sorrow and affliction are removed. Here we are wrapped in the beauty of God's glory and welcomed to life at its fullest. Surely you restore us to our best, mighty God, and equip us for productive living. Make a difference within and among us today so we can work for a better tomorrow. Amen. Now, as our service continues with reverence, let us prepare our hearts and minds as we listen to the prelude.
Today, the second Sunday of Advent, the ritual of candle lighting continues. The circle of greens that holds all the candles represents God's eternity. The first lighted candle symbolizes faith. The second purple candle will be lighted today to represent the hope of Jesus' arrival on earth. Listen now to the words from the scripture Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2, 6, and 7. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We light this candle today in preparation for the coming of Christ.
Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. The Church of the Palms is now in worship. Thank you, God's kids. The worship of God involves, first of all, our, our confession of sin, for we have fallen short of God's will for our lives. Confession leads to restoration. The prophet Hosea said, return to the Lord your God, your sins have been your downfall. Say to the Lord, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously. Let us pray our prayer of confession together. O oh God, we have tried to cover up our sins, yet you know the disorder we have caused in our lives. You have witnessed our poor choices and our destructive habits. We have denied our baptism and ignored the responsibilities of discipleship. The good we do is often self-serving while we avoid the full claims of gospel partnership. Hear our cries of repentance and turn our lives around that we may know the wonder of your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Nehemiah the prophet says, you are a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and you did not forsake them. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven.
Let us reaffirm our faith as we read together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now turn and greet those around you. Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. We're so glad you're with us this morning and thankful that on this second Sunday of Advent, we are drawing closer and closer to that very special time in which we get to celebrate the birth of the newborn king. And we hope that you will find this to be a place of welcome and a place of encouragement along in that journey as we make our way there. We hope that uh, you will let us know of your presence by filling out the friendship pads and passing those around so that we can know who you are. And as we always say, pay special attention to those names that are next to yours such that you might maybe perhaps meet a new friend and invite someone for a little coffee underneath the, the tree after our service this morning. We uh, have great things going on here during this Advent season, and we want to call your attention to a few of those. Uh, this afternoon at 3 o'clock, the Sarasota Pops will be here in the sanctuary, uh, once again performing uh, beautifully, and we encourage you to come and participate in that great offering that we make available through our music ministry here at Church of the Palms. We also uh, want to uh, remind you that uh, during our uh, special week before Christmas, we have not only our Christmas Eve services, which are listed in the back of your bulletin, uh, we uh, are including our garden service on Christmas Eve over in the, center, in, uh, in the campus center. So uh, you may want to pay special attention to that. Also, we will be having our longest night service on the 21st of December. That's a chance for those of you who perhaps have found that this season is a, a tough time for you to make through as perhaps you're remembering a, loss, uh, a loved one who is no longer here or that you are going through a difficult time of your life. This is a time for us to gather and on that longest night to remember 
that the light still shines in the darkness. And perhaps you have a friend that you might want to invite to come to that service on the 21st of December. Uh, we are looking forward to the first Sunday of January to uh, welcome the Westminster College Concert Choir. And uh, we are delighted that they'll be here not only in worship, but also performing a concert, uh, uh, concert here in the uh, sanctuary that afternoon. We would love to have you play host to these uh, college students. Uh, maybe it's been a while since you've had a college student in your home. It's, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, it's nothing dangerous. It's something you might wanna uh, think about trying again. Uh, perhaps you have a spare bedroom. You'd like to invite a couple of these college kids to spend a couple of nights with you and to uh, uh, join with them as they enjoy the beautiful uh, January here in Florida. So we encourage you to, um, to uh, 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 see John Ferreira and he would be glad to take your name so that you might uh, play host to them. And again, on January 6th, we will be beginning our uh, new worship schedule and uh, that involves a, a monumental change of 15 minutes for our 915 worshipers. We're gonna be starting at nine o'clock. Why? Because at 1015, we're trying to create some space in our, our Sunday morning for more opportunities for equipping and discipleship and Bible study, uh, not only for our children and for our youth, but also for our adults. And so we would love to uh, have you uh, participate in that as well. If you'd like to even help out our children and youth during that time, there's a meeting at 1030 this morning up in, this, up in the youth room in the education building where they're gonna be talking about the ways by which you can and come alongside of our children, families, and youth during that uh, particular equipping hour that begins next, begins on January the 6th. And lastly, we want to uh, keep our minds and hearts with the Nevin family, Lori Young and her family, upon the death of her father, Tom Nevin, and the service for uh, him will be this Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary. Now we'd like to invite the children to come forward for the children's moment. This is great. Dale's still whispering to me. I'm like on the microphone. Good morning. He goes, good morning. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Getting ready for Christmas? Yeah. Hello. Maybe you guys don't have to get ready for Christmas. Maybe that's just a mom's job. I don't know. But we are getting our hearts ready, right? Hello. Hello. You guys sang so great today. Oh my gosh. I just loved it. So, do you know that the greatest gift ever given did not come wrapped in wrapping paper with a shiny bow? The greatest gift ever given came from God. Sorry, Ryan, I stole the answer. When he sent us his, his son, Jesus. So, the Savior of the world was born as a baby. So, I imagine he was born in a grand palace, yes? I would think that, but no. Well, at least he was in a state-of-the-art, best technology hospital with the best doctors, yes? No, no. He was born in a dingy stable that was full of animals and dirt. You! You know what, though? I think God was maybe trying to teach us something about Jesus and his ministry because of the way he began. So I want us to watch a video clip. It's about three minutes called Sticky Jesus. Where am I going? 
boxes out of the attic. Oh, here it is. Honey, you want to go get the kids so they can help me set this up? Do you want to go get the kids or do you want me to? Oh, yeah, sorry. You know, it's just funny to me that you want their help. What's funny about me wanting to make memories with my grandchildren? Okay, okay. What's funny is that you never let me help set up the nativity. You were always getting stuff all over baby Jesus. What? You were a messy child. You had messy hands. You got baby Jesus sticky. Once. I got baby Jesus messy one time. You remember that? Uh, remember it? You yelled at me and threw fruitcake at me. You got peanut butter all over the camel, also. But I didn't discover that two years later. You threw fruitcake at me. I hate fruitcake. Hold on. Uh, let me make sure I understand what's happening here, okay? You want to take what is a, a nightmare of a memory for me and turn it into something wonderful for my kids? Michael, I'm sorry if you were emotionally scarred. Emotionally scarred? I'm physically scarred. Do you know somebody else who has a fruitcake scar on their forehead? Just stop it. Mom, I was a kid. Kids get things messy. That's, that's life. The baby Jesus is a whole focal point of the nativity. Heck, he's the reason for the whole blooming season. And if you think for one minute you're going to touch him with your messy mess, Oh, all over? You've got another thought coming, mister. Jesus didn't come down here to get messy. That wasn't very good theology, was it? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I mean, Jesus said, you know, let the little children come to me, right? I mean... Apparently he was okay with getting messy. We're the ones that dress him up and... Yet he, he always came with the intentions of getting his hands dirty. I guess I deserve the fruitcake thrown at me now, huh? <laughs> Grandma, may I please help decorate? Sure you can. Is that the Jesus? Wait, wait, let's get you cleaned up first. Yes, that's baby Jesus. Go ahead, you can touch him. Michael, you want to give us a hand? Merry Christmas, Mom. Okay, okay, let's see what we've got. We've got um, a cow and a donkey and a sheep, but where's the shepherd? Right there. What? There he is, that's right. And where's Mary and Joseph? Right there. Right here, where should we put them? In the middle. I want you to hear one thing. When you have been playing really, really hard outside, which is awesome, and you are like full of mud and dirt, it really is a good thing. 
an excellent thing to come in and wash your hands. That's not the point. The point is that Jesus came here to help us, to serve us, to all the people that are needy, and that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to open our eyes to be able to help others, even if it means getting our hands dirty. Jesus was never too good. He was never too busy. He was just never so full of himself that he couldn't stop and help someone who had a need. And that's what he wants to do for everybody else that we encounter. So, if we help others like Jesus, then guess what? We keep giving the best gift ever, the gift of Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the greatest gift ever, and we just ask that you would open our eyes so that we can see those who need your love, and then give us the courage to get our hands messy and to help them and to love them just like you would. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As the children are making their way to the classroom, let us continue to worship in prayer. Loving and gracious God, we thank you for your gift of Jesus, whose birth we are preparing for. We thank you that in him we find peace, despite the violence and contention of our world. God of healing and hope, we pray for those who are in need within our church community, those who are sick or anticipate surgery or are healing from surgery, those who are grieving and those who are fearful or lost or lonely, be with each and every one of them, we pray. O oh God, we pray for those who live in this wonderful city of Sarasota with us, but do not have enough food or adequate shelter or health care or accepting community. Grant them that they need and gr their need and grant that we may be a part of meeting their need in Jesus' name. Lord of all the world, we pray for your peace for all those touched by war. We pray for our sisters and brothers in Christ in those places and especially this day, we remember those who live in Bethlehem. Be with the world's leaders and move them toward peace, we pray. Give safety to those who serve in the military. Inspire and be with our missionaries as they serve your people around the world. Be with those who are traveling during this season to and from the loved ones. We bring our prayers to you in the name of our Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Let us continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes, gifts, and offerings.
Bless these gifts we bring in grateful response for all, your, all you have given to us, O God, for we brought them to you in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.
may be seated. Let all mortal flesh keep silence is a beautiful hymn that we sang a couple of weeks ago and it was within the context of encouraging us all to be reading through the Gospel of Matthew during the season of Advent to take our own moments of silence to remember the story of Christ as we prepare to celebrate his birth. We continue to encourage you to do so and we find ourselves almost toward the middle of Matthew if you've been taking up that uh, invitation of reading one chapter uh, a day. We will uh, uh, finish up with that gospel just around Christmas time and many of you have come and told me how much that has been a helpful uh, way for you to prepare to celebrate the birth of the Messiah. So we encourage you to do so, not too late to start. Just have to read two chapters a day. But uh, that's uh, time uh, well worth spent. Well, for the first time since becoming a pastor here at Church of the Palms, we are anticipating the start of a new year with a full ministry team, a full staff. That is to say that we will begin 2013 with no search committees. <laughs> all the pastors have been called, all the directors have been called, all the administration staff have been hired. Just this past month, the session called to our ministry team a new youth director to follow Derek Thompson, who is leaving in January to begin a new ministry here in Sarasota, Jeff McCauley and his wife Kim, and two, soon to be three children, are coming to us from North Carolina and will be arriving here in the middle of January to begin a great work that Derek has, to continue a great work that Derek has done over the last five years. Also, the session has invited Joe Davis, a local pastor and preacher whose ministry to youth in our nightlife center down on 41 has borne great fruit to, has been uh, a great preacher in our midst. He will be our lead preacher and teacher in the garden over in the campus center. Joe has been preaching in the garden for the last several weeks and his response to his ministry, and the response to his ministry has been great. Through Joe, we hope to partner with work, the work he is doing with youth and young adults in the area to help reach out to more people in those age groups. We begin that partnership officially in January. So along with Mingy Brown, Dr. Brown, who leads our congregational care effort, we now have a full staff team. Full team to put on the court, yes. Now with every blessing comes a challenge. To whom much is given, much is required. The session is working hard and praying hard in its effort to construct a budget that accommodates a full staff and sufficiently funds our mission partners and our capital needs. This is not easy. In October, we challenge you to prayerfully consider increasing your giving at least 10% so that we could meet those, these commitments. We have been encouraged by many of you who have increased your pledge to our ministry in 2013, a sizable portion of you have though there are many that we have yet to hear from. Presently, we are about $500,000 off the mark for the year ahead. You'll see that in your bulletin. A good portion of that is in regular givers who, have not, who we've not heard from. So being good planners, we want to have the best information possible from you as we create our ministry plan for 2013. Pledge cards are back in the pews this morning for you to use. Just send them to the church office or perhaps drop them off before you leave in the church office. And if there are any of you who feel as the year comes to a close that you wish to get an early start on supporting the 2013 budget, please feel free to do this as well. We are blessed 
with great things here at Church of the Palms, and we trust that God, through his people, will allow these great things to continue. So in that spirit, let us now turn with our Advent message to Matthew chapter 2, beginning at the first verse. We're going to be looking at these next three Sundays, the story of the wise men, and wondering through that great story how it is that God has revealed himself and the messages that God might have for us in the 21st century. So hear the word of God as it comes to us from Matthew chapter 2. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has born, been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. And on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. And then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We mortal flesh seek to be silent before you, O God, wondering what this word may mean for our lives. So once again, we pray that these words to come will simply point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. Sharing the chancel last week with my brother Cam, who preached for us, gave me and actually gave us both the chance to reflect upon the unique gift that we were given in being preacher's kids, and also being a part of a long line of pastors, great-grandfather, grandfather, father, uncle, three brothers. Talk about a dysfunctional family. <laughs> we are still working on our first female pastor in the McConnell clan. But my brothers, I know, would agree with me when I say that perhaps the greatest gift we received in this life, apart from having our wives and children, is having from our youngest days a front row seat to the life of the church. When your dad's a pastor, you get to see the life of the church in a way that few people do. Now, for some preachers' kids, that's not always a good thing. But for the three of us, it was. Where I grew up on the east side of Detroit, our house, the church manse, 
sat directly across the street from the church. We saw the church from our living room window. In the wintertime, when it snowed, my father would have me shovel a path from the front door of the house to the front door of the church so he could walk back and forth. The church, for me, was kind of like that shoveled path. It was an extension of our home, and our home was an extension of the church. So I, I grew up learning about this unique thing called the church, and, and what I got to see from the first row was a group of people trying to figure out day by day how to be the body of Christ together, how to be the unique witness to the life and grace of Jesus Christ. Now, when you're a preacher's kid, you learn that that isn't always easy. The church isn't always easy. I can remember distinctively nights when my father would come home from a very difficult session meeting, debates over issues that seemed so important then that we can't remember now. People in the church not agreeing over this or over that. I can re remember people's feelings getting hurt. I can also remember the church helping people through the challenges of life. I can remember as a kid marriages that were struggling. I can remember late night calls to the, to the manse that so-and-so has just rushed to the hospital. I can remember runaways sleeping on our couch, abused women seeking sanctuary in our guest bedroom. I can remember two boys in our youth group serving as ushers and getting caught helping themselves to part of the offering. I can remember a little six-year-old boy dying of cancer and all of our hearts breaking. I can remember a group of elders unhappy that an African-American family had begun worshiping with us. I can remember a session meeting being called without my father's knowledge. Being the church isn't always easy. But I also remember the disciples and saints of the church who showed me what it looked like to live a faithful life. I remember a Sunday school teacher doing her very best to teach me Bible stories at a time when I was not the least bit interested. I remember a businessman volunteering a week of his vacation to be the director of our church camp and his wife having to take care of me during that week when I broke out in chickenpox. I remember the high school principal in our church opening up the high school gym once a month to our youth group and challenging us to games of basketball. I can remember anthems from the choir, all volunteers doing their best to make a joyful noise to the Lord. I can remember baptisms of babies and weekend youth retreats where we reaffirmed those baptisms. I remember confirmation teachers trying to teach us the core elements of the faith again when we were not the least bit interested. I can remember trustees once a week coming over to cut the grass and tend the gardens. I can remember playing hide-and-go-seek in the nooks and crannies of the church buildings only to discover the custodian asleep in the boiler room <laughs> on his cot. <laughs> I can remember an elder vehemently opposed to a youth program that we wanted to offer to the community, but when his fellow elders voted for it anyway, he was the one, the one who voted against it. He was the one who volunteered at that program every week to show that he was on the team. 
So I grew up with a front row seat to the life of the church. And what I got to see was a group of people struggling to get it right when it came to being the body of Christ. We, we often didn't get it right. We often disappointed the good Lord. But often there were marks of brilliance, incredible gestures of love and grace and faithfulness that would astound you. And, and what I came away with as I grew into my college years was this deep sense that, that the church was that amazing place where, where flesh and blood folks like you and me were, were really trying hard to get it right when it came to being the unique witness to the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. It wasn't until many years later that I learned about a part of our church's constitution that declared the six great ends of the church, the six great ends of the church, and they are these, the proclamation of the gospel for the salvation of humankind, the shelter, nurture, and spiritual fellowship of the children of God, the maintenance of divine worship, the preservation of the truth, the promotion of social righteousness, and perhaps as a way to sum it all up, the exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world the exhibition of the kingdom of heaven to the world. What an amazing charter. What an incredible task and purpose. There is no institution. There is no other group of people in this community or for that matter throughout the world that is attempting to do this, to be this. This is what we are. This is why we are in business, to exhibit the kingdom of heaven to the world. It is this purpose from which we derive our mission to equip disciples for the service of Christ. Our best way of exhibiting the kingdom of heaven to the world is equipping ourselves to be faithful disciples in the world. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is in your midst. When the people of God gather to equip themselves to be faithful followers of Jesus, gifted to serve the world with grace and mercy, this is when the kingdom of heaven appears. We don't always get it right. We don't always score an A on our test. But the church is that one place where we give it our best, where we try our hardest to get it right for the world. So we open our doors on Sunday to worship God. We rearrange our schedule on Sunday morning a bit to make more time to equip people to discover more of what Christ is calling them to do, to teach our children, to walk alongside of our youth, to care for the sick and lonely. We hand out food five days a week. We tutor children. We restore sight to the blind in Central America. We take care of children in our care center Five days a week, we translate the Bible and other languages. We counsel people for whom life has been difficult. On and on it goes daily, the effort to exhibit the kingdom of heaven to the world. Do we get it all right all the time? Of course not. Do we always agree? Of course not. Have we avoided hypocrisy? Of course not. We are flesh and blood. We need redemption every day, but what a charter, what a mission, what a purpose to be that place in the world, to be that body in the world where the kingdom of heaven is lived and exhibited. Because you know, as Matthew would tell the story, in those days when Jesus was born, there were, there were people 
who were gazing into the heavens. They were searching the, the lights of heaven and wondering if ever there would be a day when, when heaven would someday come down to earth. Would there ever be a day when, when the goodness and truth and beauty and grace of the heavens would that someday dissemble into the earth, descend into the earth, into the rough and tumble of the earth, the place where the Caesars and the Herods held forth? Would, would glory ever come down? Would the kingdom ever be in our midst? And then the star appeared. They looked into the heavens and they saw this star appearing in the darkness. And the star took them from the east to the west. The star took them from their land to another land. And they followed that star, maybe because they knew that star would take them to that place where the heavens would meet the earth. And the star took them to Bethlehem and it rested over that place where the baby laid and Matthew tells us those heaven gazers were overjoyed because they, they found the place where heaven had come down. They found the one who had brought the heavens to the earth and they, and they went in and they worshiped him and they opened up whatever it was they had and they laid their gifts before him, gold and, and frankincense and myrrh because the kingdom of heaven was in their midst. Right there in their midst. The king of heaven was in their midst. The goodness and truth and the beauty and the grace of the heavens was there in the child of Bethlehem, right there in the little town of Bethlehem. Soon, through the child, it would be in Nazareth. Soon, it would be in Galilee. Soon, it would be in Jerusalem. Soon, it would be up on a cross. Soon, it would be in an empty tomb. And soon, it would be in an upper room filled with tongues of fire. And soon, it would be in the people. Soon, it would be in the people, in the body of Christ, the kingdom of heaven in the body of Christ, the church of Christ, the equipped disciples serving the world. Soon, Bethlehem would be on Bee Ridge. Those flesh and blood followers of Jesus in the 21st century trying with the help of the Holy Spirit to get it right to exhibit the kingdom of heaven to the world. And we do it, why? We do it today because running up and down this street, speeding by at 50 miles an hour, are still heaven gazers. The tens of thousands who pass this way looking into the heavens and they're still wondering, will heaven ever come down? Will the heavens reach the earth? Is there a place where people are trying to embrace the goodness and the truth and the beauty and the grace of what is above? We are here for those heaven gazers. We are here for them with every note played on that organ, with every bag of groceries we hand out, with every lesson that we tutor, with every child we take care of, with every, with every Bible study we attend, with every counseling session offered, we are here for them, as was the child of Bethlehem, here for those stargazers long ago in the east, yearning for heaven on earth. So we are here, Bethlehem on Bee Ridge, for those who hold eternity in their hearts and wish to find a place where heaven touches the earth. That's why we're here. 
It's not easy what we try to do. We don't always get it right what we try to do. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in what we try to do. But could there be anything greater? Could there be anything greater than what we try to do? Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light, the hope and the fears of all the years are met in thee tonight.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. We're presenting this live telecast. This weekly presentation comes to you from our sanctuary each Sunday at this hour. It's presented locally on channel 189 of Comcast Cable, as well as on the internet around the world via live streaming. Church of the Palms is a Presbyterian Church, USA. We invite you to come this afternoon at 3 o'clock to hear the Sarasota Pops Concert. Join us for the performance of Sarasota Pops Orchestra and singer Diana Vitell as they ring in the holiday season with something old, something new, something borrowed, and of course something blue. For more information, you can contact John Pereira at 924-1323. There are studies throughout the week that we think will interest you, beginning with Men's Bible Study, Wednesday at 7.30 a.m. in the Chapel Reception Room. We're studying the Gospel of Luke. Luke was unique among the Gospel writers. He was a Gentile writing for Gentiles, a physician and a well-educated man with an eye for detail, aiding in establishing the accuracy of Christ's ministry. The study is led by Reverend Fred Marsh and Tom Weber. Faith at Work, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. in the Chapel Reception Room. We welcome you to join our Faith at Work small group study and fellowship from 4 to 5 p.m. in the Chapel Reception Room. This group continues to strive for spiritual growth and edifying fellowship as we share in studying the Gospel of Mark. For more information, you can contact Bernie and Ben Morgan at 371-9714. Greeters are needed to welcome worshipers and distribute candles for the five Christmas Eve services here at Church of the Palms. 5 p.m., 5.30 p.m., 7, 9, and 11 p.m. If you're available and willing to share your gift of hospitality, please contact Carolyn Wilson at 924-1323.
Thank you again to all who responded to the food pantry drive in November. With gracious giving, you've responded to God's call to feed the hungry. We'll be able to continue to reach out to those in need in our community for the next few months with the resources on hand. In this holiday season of joy and celebration, our hearts are turned to those in need. We thank you for everything you've done. Again, thank you for looking in this morning. Keep in mind that you're invited to attend the events and studies we just mentioned in the weekdays to come. And we'll return to television next Sunday morning at this hour. This is Jimmy Lance. May the peace of Christ be a part of your joyful Christmas season. Enjoy this day, this gift, God's good morning.